It's time to talk about Las Vegas with Ira. Each week, Ira David Sternberg talks with the celebrities, entertainers, writers, and personalities who make Las Vegas the most exciting city in the world. And now, here's Ira. My guest continues to bring great exhibits to Las Vegas. He's Tom Zoller, president and CEO of Imagine Exhibitions, a leader in global traveling entertainment. The company's latest exhibition, rarely seen at Bally's Las Vegas, features 50 striking images shot by some of the world's finest photographers of places, events, natural phenomena, and man-made heirlooms seldom seen by human eyes. The exhibit is open daily from 10 a.m. to 8 p.m. And for ticket information, go to IX, that's, of course, nine if you know how Roman numerals go. Go to IXVegas.com, and you can follow them on Instagram at Rarely Seen Exhibition. For everything about Imagine Exhibitions, go to ImagineExhibitions.com. And Tom, welcome back to the show. Thank you. It's great to be here again. Thank you. Last time you were on, we were talking about bodies. Now we're going to be talking about photographs. Yeah, it's great. Actually, Real Bodies is right across the hall in Bally's, which will, as you know, soon be the horseshoe. But we have opened this new exhibition space literally across the hall from Real Bodies. So it's super convenient. You can go to two exhibitions in the same day if you want. Just walk across the hall. I like that. Yeah. And this one, the exhibition, it's inspired by the book, National Geographic Rarely Seen Photographs of the Extraordinary. You obviously got involved because you you do this really well. You bring exhibits to Las Vegas, which is why I wanted to have you on. Tell us about how you got involved with this, because it was a book initially, and then it became an exhibition. Were you involved in the early stages of creating it into an exhibition or afterwards and then bringing it here to Las Vegas? In my business, I have about 45 different touring exhibitions that go all over the world. And it's not a, you know, as you can imagine, it's not a huge community, the community of touring exhibition people. but. National Geographic Society uh, and the National Geographic Museum have been friends and partners for many years. Uh, I brought actually in 2012, I had National Geographic's 50 greatest photographs at the Venetian, which I had for about three years when I had that location. This is a newer version of a show. It's curated by National Geographic. So we worked together with them. They curated the book and they curated these images. And then we took the images and we brought them to life in, in a way that they haven't been brought to life before. First of all, the exhibition space is about 10,000 square feet. So it's quite large. And we've taken these photographs in the exhibition and blown them up um, in some cases where they're eight feet tall and 10 feet, 12 feet wide. Uh, so they're really massive. And you sort of feel as though you're within the photograph. We also took many of the photographs and put them into a digital format so that they're projected on the walls. So you feel like you're really immersed in the space. So we'll have sometimes the same photograph repeated to create sort of a, an alcove or a vignette of that moment in time. Or we've, or we have different images running that, that might be a photograph. So there's a, there's a photograph of a, of a, of people walking across a bridge. And then we show a video of the same bridge with all these people going across it. So it's really, it really takes you to these places. In other areas, we, uh, there's a beautiful field of flowers and we put it inside of a small room and covered all the walls with flowers and then put the photograph in the middle. So it feels 
very, um, very Instagrammable, very immersive, <laughs> which is fun for everybody. But it's also got these incredible photographers who took these pictures, and it tells a little bit about their story. Um, so I think anybody who likes to, you know, I think we all we all need to escape a little bit, right? I think that's why Vegas exists. But if you want to go on a journey somewhere, take you to another part of the world, these images really can transport you to these places. It's, they're very, very powerful. You mentioned that National Geographic curated it, but in terms of that, those are the actual decisions on what images to use. But do you get involved in the staging of the exhibits? Yeah, so so that I, I'm glad you brought that. So Na- National Geographic selected the images. We went to them and said, "Here's what we'd like to do for the exhibition." So we curated the exhibition with their images, and of course, we work closely with them. Some, you know, we, what we didn't want to do was we didn't want, and neither did they. We didn't want to affect the photograph in any way. So the photograph always remains pristine. Or if we do anything that slightly enhances it or changes it by putting it in video, we'll also have just an image of the photograph itself right nearby so that people can still appreciate that photo. But we didn't do anything to augment or take any layers out of the photograph. They're all, the photograph is authentic to the, to the photographer. But we brought, brought it to life in other ways. So, for example, there's my favorite room really is the last room in the exhibit. There's a, a picture of, of, of these Thai lanterns that, you know, you light a candle inside the paper lantern and they fly up in the, in the sky. And you often see them in, you know, where there's hundreds or thousands of them going off at the same time. So there's a photograph of this. And then we took video on two. So the photograph's a big photograph on one wall. Two other walls are video of, a, of a, that same scene. And then the other wall is mirrors. And then we hung a bunch of lanterns in the ceiling and put beanbags on the ground. And so you feel as if you're in this space. You're in that moment. And that's the, the part that we did. That's the, the curation of, of, of how we presented this immersive experience. Now, you have an introduction by National Geographic explorer and photographer Stephen Alvarez. How important was his role in the ex- exhibition? Well, I think, you know, all of the photographers are important in, in the exhibition, that they are the reason we have it, right? They're the reason they, they brought this together. And I think that's one of the things that the National Geographic Society does that we take for granted is they, they cultivate and find these incredible photographers who capture these moments in time. So I think... He was used again through the introduction of the book and is why he's in the, in the exhibition. Um, so that was a National Geographic choice. But again, I think it's just to set context and to remind people, I think we're in this mode of there's so much happening all the time that when you can just capture a moment and enjoy it, it's, I think a lot of people actually have to get used to it again because we're, we're so used to motion and, and, and speed and, 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 and every, you know, instant gratification that it's great to pause for a moment and realize what it took to get to a place and capture something at the right moment in the right light. It's it's powerful. It's also good for those of us who don't like to spend too much energy finding things. What I mean by that is, yes, I like to travel, but I don't know necessarily that I want to go to the far reaches of the world, climb up a large mountain, to get that one shot where you have these wonderful photographers doing that for us, and we can experience it in that realm, in the relative safety of Las Vegas. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so in that, in that sense, maybe that's, the next, maybe that's the next assignment for you, is to, Tom, is to have all these photographers come into Las Vegas and take pictures, and then that could be the third exhibit at Bally's. 
what, you know, all the dangerous places in Las Vegas. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. Just a thought. Right. Just a thought. Yeah. Now we you talked a little bit about this, but I want to come back to it. Okay, I'm a little off the the beaten path here, but well, which which is what National Geographic is is always That's off right. the beaten path. Yeah. So yeah, I just have that concept where a bunch of photographers come in from National Geographic, go to all parts of Las Vegas, capture things that even those of us who live here can't find or see, and then it ends up in your exhibit. By the I way, like it. by the way, you lo- also look amazing for a guy that has that many exhibits all over the place. Somehow you never look exhausted or fatigued. Oh well, I feel it. <laughs> <laughs> it's, the, it's the Zoom filter. <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. So you mentioned earlier that this is an immersive photography exhibition. When it comes to that part of it, and you and your team look at how best can we showcase these amazing photographs. As you said, some of them are slightly altered, but some are on the wall, some are in other kinds of concepts here. How do you look at it? How do you how do you execute that to make it as immersive as possible for visitors? Yeah, sure. You know, you might see an advertisement for a rarely seen National Geographic exhibition at the museum in in DC at the National Geographic Society Museum. I mean, it's not there now, but you might have seen in the past. And it could be just eight by 10 inch photographic prints that are on a wall and they're mounted and they're beautiful as they are. You know, what I, the reason I'm in the business that I'm in and why I love what I do is because I like to take people places. I like to transport you in a physical environment. And I like to pick the things that, that allow me to be able to do that, right? That give, give me the, the ammunition to create that moment. So. The photographs are those. And I just see them in a slightly different way. I see them bigger, right? I want them, I want them, I want them full, I want them floor to ceiling and wall to wall. So that when you walk in, it's the only thing you see. There's not a blemish on the wall behind you. There's not a, a, a piece of text. It's just you're, you're totally in that moment. Um, and so not all of the photographs in this show lend themselves to that, but there certainly are a few, uh, and a few moments that are very, that are sort of captivating. There's another, there's another photograph that's, as a photograph of Barack Obama being shot for a 3D image. And the way they captured it was they had hundreds of different cameras around him and the flashes. And so we have the big image on the wall. But when you walk through this part of the exhibit, it's kind of around the corner. It's a little bit dark. And we've put in a motion sensor. So when you walk by, there's like a strobe light. It's like, like they're all taking pictures of you. So it also... You know, we're trying to contextualize that moment, right? Also, so you feel like you're there and maybe a little bit blind after that one, but you can really, you know, you, 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 you can, you can appreciate that picture, what he kind of went through and what the photographer went through to get to that moment. And that's where we use the ones that we could that made the most sense to do that. And the other ones are just, many of them are just big oversized images, but you have your, you know, there's nothing else around you and you're in that moment with the photo, which puts you on that mountain in Tibet or in that jungle in the Amazon or, you know, wherever the photographer is taking you. So you're not going to get distracted if you go there by some nail in the wall or some screw in the canvas. You're going to actually just be- I hope so. Overwhelmed, <laughs> overwhelmed by the image. One of the images I understand is a, it's a green crowned hummingbird and it's looking yeah. at a pet viper. Yeah. And that- when you think about it, that's amazing in and of itself. It's not doctored in any way. It's not altered in any way. It just is. Yeah. That the and- photographer, these guys, the, the way they capture some of these things, you know, they wait for hours and days sometimes to get that right, perfect shot. 
And that particular image is, is really powerful. And the way that we presented it, because it's so large and sort of at eye level with you, where the, the hummingbird and the, the viper are, are near each other and the, and the snake is green and the, the hummingbird is really colorful. And its wings are sort of caught in this moment. It's really captured this incredibly fast thing that's happening and just paused it. We just sort of put the pause button on life for a second. And it's so rich and vibrant in color. It's really, it's a wonderful photograph. Yeah. Do you give technical information along with the images? So for example, in this case, do you indicate what shutter speed the photographer used to capture that? For some, we do, not all. Um, there is definitely the book that is accompanying with the exhibition. You could buy the book in the gift shop, which gets into some more detail. And this, this particular, the way this particular show is curated, there's less of that. There's other shows we've done where you, you spend more time talking about the, the journey to get to the photograph. And this one sort of appreciates the moment in time without, you don't have to necessarily be as technical or, or, or care about that. How do the photographers know where to go? Because clearly there are certain destinations that are picked. These photographers are extremely professional. They know what they want to capture, but they have to have some awareness of whatever that reality is in that far off land. So how do they know about it to begin with? Were there survey groups going out initially or scouting groups going out initially? The way these, these, th this wasn't an assignment to say, let's go, f go out now, photographer, you know, all you guys go out to the world and find them the very seen moments. They were, these photographers have their own passion. I have a good friend of mine who's a, who's a photographer who has done some things for National Geographic and she, she chose, she wanted to make her own book and, uh, and publish it. And, and she was funded to do so. And her book was around the equator. So she went to locations all around the equator. So really interesting, diverse, obviously most of them are pretty warm, but diverse, you know, cultures and countries. And I think each photographer has its own specialty, right? Or, or the thing that they're passionate about. And so one might be that they, you know, that they're passionate about the temples in Angkor and Cambodia or somebody else loves icebergs or somebody else is a, a naturalist and is, and cared about the Amazon. And so all these different disparate sort of photographs from all over the world are taken and then many times they're submitted to National Geographic or they may be somebody who's out on assignment doing a piece for National Geographic in a particular region. But these photos are of places that are rare, right? These are, these are the rare places in the world that, you know, most people haven't been. That's what happens to me when you go in. So, so you National Geographic curates those for this purpose. And that's what, I mean, for me, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a very well traveled soul. I've, I've spent a lot of time on airplanes and been to, you know, many, many countries and beautiful places around the world and, and not so beautiful places too. This show just, you go there and you're like, I want to go there. I've never, where is that? I want to, I want to get like, and for me, it just cultivates this. This, this, uh, wanderlust to, uh, to mo be motivated to get out there and see more of the world. Cause I think that's why we're all here in this earth to, is to explore. Sure. You don't want to get stuck in your own mud hole and you can go and see the rest of the world. That's there are right. other mud holes, but they're different than the one you're in. That's right. In that, in that sense, I should point out to our listeners that I'm interviewing Tom while he is standing on an iceberg in Antarctica <laughs> and. It's amazing how just through technology, the sound is wonderful. And, it is. Uh, I was standing on an iceberg last summer in Alaska. There you go. See, cool. how did yeah. I know that yeah. stuff? Yeah. Speaking of technology, 
again, if this were 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, mm. and you tried to mount this exhibition, blowing up an image, even if they used an 8x10 camera, if they, mm. you blew up the image to the size you want to do, which you like to do it big, there might be some graininess, there might be some distortion, there might be some lack of focus. But given where we are with how we can digitize everything, you can blow up an image to whatever size, even a tom size, and it'll look sharp. It'll look focused. It won't, there won't yeah. be blemishes in it. Yeah. I mean, also, we couldn't have been, you know, depending upon how long ago you go, you couldn't have even printed this large, right? There wasn't the technology to, to print, and there wasn't, you know, the, even the, the, the resolution's gotten better. The All of these things have, have been amplified and have made it possible for me to do it, too, where... You know, it could have been some, you know, huge corporation with an endless budget could print this massive thing, but that wouldn't have been attainable for a little exhibit company like mine to, you know, go out and sort of make these things happen or projection technology as well. The ability to project on walls and, and, you know, a projector that you can now go to, you know, Best Buy and buy for your house, you know, didn't exist 20, 30 years ago. If it did, it was, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars. So um, the technology has really made my, my life and my job much, much better and, and made it better for the visitor too, because we are able to do things that we couldn't even think about years ago. So it's a, uh, yeah, it plays a huge, huge factor. Have you ever thought of a mashup where you bring the real bodies over to the rarely seen exhibit? And so that's a combination of the two. Rarely seen can, real bodies. How about that? Yeah. Well, the good thing is you can just walk across. So yeah, exactly. I can, I can, I can probably wheel one over if you want. Yeah, I just thought I'd come up with these things. So we talked, we talked about the hummingbird and, and the pit viper, but there's some other images that are interesting too. There's an underwater park in Austria and there's ice caves. So even just thinking about the concept of an underwater park in Austria, it's hard to wrap your head around something like that. Yeah. Just because, just because of the name. Exactly right. <laughs> no, it's uh, it, it you have to see it to believe it. You know that's that's why we did it this way. That's why we blew it up, and we you know we've made it so accessible. It's easy to get to, and you just, it's right on. It's on the strip. You're you know if you're a tourist in town or you're a local, it's super accessible at valleys. And so this you know sort of bringing it to life in these places that are it's a lot harder to fly to Austria, you know, or to Amazon or to Iceberg than it is to go exactly go to the valleys exactly. So, Tom, if you're coming through the side entrance off Flamingo, it's right there. It's where the food court is and where the sports book is and all of that. Exactly. You come in there and you turn right. You just, you'll, Real Bodies is on the right-hand side, and then the National Geographic is on the left. You can't miss it because there's a, a yellow rectangle, just like the National Geographic logo. So it's you can't miss it. When you make it easily accessible, it's easier to just enjoy it. You don't have to... Sure. There's a technical term. You don't have to schlep through the casino in order to That's right. Get less there. schlepping. Yeah, less That's schlepping. Right. There's Sherpas and they're schlepping, and I don't want That's either right. one. So The schleppers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So some of the other images that are favorites of yours are what? Besides, we talked about the underwater park in Austria, which I won't walk my dog in because it'll drown. <laughs> but what are some of the images that are that you think people – well, I'll, let's. I'll, it's a dual question. What you find fascinating, what you find that the public finds fascinating – I'm sure certain key images in that exhibit that just have a major impact on people's senses and they maybe fill out a form afterwards or tell the guides or the, sure. the people there. So it's a two-part, yeah. your view and then the, the average person that comes in there. You know, I mean, there's, there's 50 images, right? So there's, there's going to be 50 different favorites. 
you never, you know, if you're, if you love nature, there's so many incredible natural photographs. There's some really interesting technology photographs. There's, you know, some interesting cityscapes. There's emotional moments that are captured. There's, there's all parts of the world. So it's really hard to say what all of those people like, but I will say my favorite, I think most of the public's number one choice and what is our key artwork that we put out to, to sort of promote the exhibition is this, these lanterns uh, that, that are floating into the sky. It's a, it's a magical photo. It, it takes me someplace that I really love just in my mind. And then we've been able to present it in such a way with the mirrors and the video and the, the real lanterns in the ceiling. It just feels like you're there. So I think that's my favorite. And I think it's been most people's favorite. It's also the last photo in the, in the gallery. So Many times that's people's favorite because the, the thing they just saw the last time. Yes, you're um, leaving on a high but, note, which is yeah. good. And the thing, I think the other one that people really like is the one that's got the the field of, of these purple flowers that we've dressed the room up with purple flowers all around you. And so you feel like you're in it, really in it. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, you mentioned that earlier. Yeah. How in the world did you get the Pope to take a selfie in Vatican City? Uh, somebody else took that picture of him. But I do have a great Pope story, though, that Please. my son was kissed by the Pope. I, I did an exhibition with the Vatican and uh, on the Vatican about the history of the papacy. And my son was 11 weeks old. And my mom and my wife went there. I was working and they went to an audience with the Pope. And the guy came down, the, you know, the Pope's PR guy and said, hey, when the Pope comes down, can we get your son and hand him over to the Pope? And my wife's like, sure, as long as you give him back. So uh, yeah, my my youngest or my oldest was kissed and blessed by the Pope. So that's got to do something good for him. Absolutely, and I, I assume yeah. there's Pope John Paul, Pope John Same Paul, the and I assume there. there's an image of that somewhere hanging in your house or on a mantle. Well, the in best your house. part is is that when it happened, I asked my mom and my wife. I was like, "Did you get a picture?" And my mom's like, "I tried, I but I was surrounded by people as soon as the Pope came by. So I put my hand up." And I, I snapped it, but I didn't get the picture. I was like, oh, my God, you're killing me. You didn't get a picture. So luckily, this is not probably the first time this happened. So Kodak was doing the event photography. So they have people up in the ceiling. So I went up and we found it. And so there's the, there's the, I've got three amazing pictures of the John Paul kissing my, you know, blessing him and kissing him, whatever. And uh, there's a, the best part is, is off to the side, there's this hand sticking up through the crowd, which I can see my mom's ring on. And there's a camera, but you can't see her. She's totally squished by people. So we did corroborate her story. <laughs> right, so exactly. The truth about I assume that photo will remain in the family archives for several generations. It's a pretty good one. I have some some friends who are, you know, devout Catholics, and they were very excited when I uh, shared the photo with them. So they think he's going to go on. He's now 20. He'll be 21 on uh, September, October. Boy, time flies. You also have very devout photographers, obviously, involved in this, too. Yes, that's right. I know we referenced it and it's an important part of the exhibit, but I think, surprisingly, there are people that don't understand what the National Geographic Society is. Can you give us just a short explanation of what the society does and how long it's been around? The, the National Geographic Society is over 134 years old. It was founded in 1888, and it's headquartered in Washington, D.C., where there is this uh, National Geographic Society Museum and then the Society Headquarters. And it is one of the largest nonprofit scientific and educational organizations in the world. So they, you know, many people don't realize these, you know, I think a lot of people, it, it sounds great to be a photographer, right? And, and wonderful to go out and climb these things and do these expeditions. But 
you know, most of these people can't afford to do this. So they, they fund these activities, you know, for the betterment and for the, the documentation of for us, for the world. It's, it's a really powerful, I mean, their archive is incredible. So it's, it's really great to be able to work with such a organization who is so passionate about what they do. If you had to put it on a scale, and this may be an unfair question, but I like these questions. In all of the exhibits you've done over the years, is this one of your top 10 or your top 25? Yeah, I love this exhibition. It's fantastic. You know, it's definitely up there at the top. I mean, it's, it's anytime we get a chance to work with National Geographic, it's a pleasure. I think it's recognizable to the general public, which is great. And I think it delivers at the end what it promises. So I, I always love working with Nat Geo. When they work with you to set it up, do you have some input in this sense? Because they curate it, but you as a professional exhibitor, will you look at those 50 images and you say to them, I like 49 of the 50, but can you change this one over here to something else? Has that actually happened? That has happened. It didn't happen with this show, but I had, that has happened before. They would certainly, you know, we are like you said, we're, we're professionals and they are too. And so if we came and, you know, had a, had an opinion that I think they would, they would always listen, you know, these shows also as, as like you would, you're a professional, you do your show the way you do your show. But if I said, Hey, Ira, you know, you could just give that dramatic pause right before the ending, <laughs> you might consider it. And then, you know, and then discount it. <laughs> That's right, exactly. <laughs> no, I'm always open to ideas. Even after all these years, I am always open be. to ideas. You have to absolutely get right. Yeah. What's yeah. next for Tom Zoller? Now you've got the exhibition up and running. Do you yeah. monitor it for a while, baby it for a while, and then go on to another exhibition in another city? Or how does that work, the dynamics of you and the company? Well, from the company perspective, I mean, it's May right now. So I think we've got 24 shows moving in the month of May. So it's a busy time for us moving things in and out of different places. But um, what's exciting right now at Bally's particularly is, so we have Real Bodies that's on one side in, in Bally's. Uh, and it's been very Bally's. successful because as I mentioned, I interviewed you three or four years ago when yeah. it came out. So the fact that it's still there, still yeah, in Las Vegas. it's been there Vegas. for six years. Yeah. be seven amazing. years in August. Yeah. So we have now opened this gallery across the way with National Geographic, rarely seen. And we're also opening a lounge and a speakeasy that's going to open in uh, in the end of June, which I'm really excited about because you've now got this sort of, we sort of have this anchor around this area in the, the arcade or the, the mall area at Bally, which you're excited about. And we have some other things cooking up in Vegas that we'll definitely come back to talk to you about in the next couple of months. There'll be some other announcements happening. Yeah, I love the city. I, I If I had it my way, I'd have an exhibition in every property on the strip. So let me just keep chipping away at it. If you know anybody, you know, and they, they've got a space for me, I know how to fill it. So. You got it. Well, that's a great way to end it. My guest has been Tom Zoller. He's president and CEO of Imagine Exhibitions. It's a leader in global traveling entertainment. The company's latest exhibition, Rarely Seen at Bally's Las Vegas, features 50 striking images shot by some of the world's finest photographers of places, events, natural phenomena, and man-made heirlooms. Seldom seen, by human eyes. The exhibit is open daily from 10 a.m. to 8 p.m. And for ticket information, go to ixvegas.com, ixvegas.com, and you can follow them on Instagram at Rarely Seen Exhibition. And for everything about Imagine Exhibitions, go to imagineexhibitions.com. Tom, thanks again for being on the show. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. I love it.
See you next time. See you next time. You've been listening to Talk About Las Vegas with Ira. Each week, Ira David Sternberg talks with the celebrities, entertainers, writers, and personalities who make Las Vegas the most exciting city in the world.